Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, guys. It's great to join you today. And just to make sure you know who I am, I don't mentioned my name there in the beginning. So in case you're new to this podcast, my name is Paul, and I'm one of the pastors at New Life Church in Gillette, Wyoming. And you might be wondering, why is holiness something that has value to me? Why am I doing a podcast called Holy Man? Well, now, before I answer that question, I want to make sure that we have a general agreement as to what holiness is. So let me share my thinking on the topic. Holiness is godliness. It is living life God's way. You know, God is perfectly holy. So to live more like God would have me live in holiness, living the right way when God gets to decide what right looks like and truthfully what wrong looks like also. That's a simple definition or a simple understanding of holiness. So with that understanding, why holiness then? Why do I believe that it's the best place to be in life? Because I truly believe that when I am living a life that is more in line with how God would have me live, my life is just better. And when I don't, and I've had many days and weeks and months when that's been the case, my, my life is just not as good. And that's my personal testimony. And then let me say also, as a pastor who has walked alongside of many different people, including a lot of men, I can honestly tell you, I have had many of those men tell me that same thing about their lives. Both those who are living a more holy life and those who wish they were. You know, just recently, I've had several men sit in my office or invite me out to coffee because of them being in a tough place in life. And each of those men were willing to admit it was because of the choices that they made, which were not what God would have chosen for them. And those choices put them into those tough places. One guy was dealing with alcohol issues that caused marriage issues. One guy was dealing with gambling addiction, which caused marriage issues. Another guy was dealing with anger issues, which caused, guess what? Yep, marriage issues. And for all of these men, they also were having some struggles at work because of these tough places that they were in. Every one of these men were saying, I want a better life. I want a better marriage. I want a better work situation. I want blessings, not curses in my life. So what do they want? Well, they want holiness. They want the life that God has available. Now, 
it starts with what we're going to be talking about later in this episode, and that is the grace of God. We don't deserve God's love, but he keeps loving us. We don't deserve God's holiness, but he certainly has it available to us. That's where the journey starts, though, with grace. And it continues with us wanting, longing for, and being willing to chase after that holy life. That's what this podcast is about, figuring out that holy life, the blessed life that God has available. And so over these 12 weeks, we're looking into some of the many lies that Satan has fed us over the years, lies that have us living a life that is not the best life it could be. Those lies have us broken and bruised. Those lies have us hurting others. Those lies have us missing out on a better life or a holy life. So we are going to be discussing 40 of these lies as presented in a book that's titled Lies that men believe, and the truth that can set us free from those lies. Well, before we jump into the meat of our thoughts for today, I want to ask you a question. I want you to ponder this question a bit, or maybe a couple questions. Here's the first one. As you think back over your life, what was your worst sin? Okay, you got that? What was your worst sin? Are you thinking about it? For some of you, something instantly came to mind. Well, let's change it up a bit. If you are married or if you were married before, what would your wife say was your worst sin? Hmm. Changes things a bit, doesn't it? And it could be that the answer is not the same because potentially she doesn't know about the answer to your first question because you never told her. She's just not aware of what you think was your worst sin. Or maybe her answer is because it's something you did to her. Okay, one last way for you to think about it. What if I asked Jesus what your worst sin was? Wow, that would be an interesting conversation, wouldn't it? You know, I ask, again, I ask you these questions because of the topic of lies that we're going to be focusing on on today, both truthfully, both this week and next week, we're going to be talking about lies that men believe about sin. Today, it's just me today, but next week I've invited another guest to talk with us. And today we're going to be focusing in on the idea of grace in regards to sin, how grace is so important for us to know about as we focus some of these lies that Satan has fed us. Next week, we're going to be talking more about the, the holiness side of sin, of moving out of sin towards holiness, or living a life with less sin, more godliness. So as we dig into this topic of lies that we believe in regards to sin, you know that's why I started with those questions about our sin. Because there are some of us who don't like to think about our sin, especially my own sin. You know, I put sin out of my mind and I don't want to consider it. Maybe some of you, you think your sin is not that bad. So why do I need to dwell on it? For some of us, we just want to focus on Easter Sunday, truthfully, and that part of the Jesus story, the part where we get the blessed with eternal life part, the part where sin is no more, death is no more, just life. 
But here's what we always have to remember. Before we get to Easter Sunday, we need to realize that Friday happened. That cross happened, and it happened for a reason. And that reason is our sin, my sin. You know, guys, that was my cross, guys, or it should have been. Those were my nails. That was the death that I deserve eternally because of my sin. The cross did happen. And I need to consider that cross. And I need to consider it regularly because it is so important to my faith journey. I put my faith upon that cross and the gift of life that Jesus provides there on that cross. I did not deserve that gift. It's grace. There is nothing that I can do to earn it. Nothing that I can do to get Jesus to love me more. It's grace. It's undeserved. It's God doing the work on my behalf because of his love for me. That's where we have to start as we consider, as we get into some of these lies dealing with sin. Okay, let's do that. Let's look at a couple of these lies. We're going to look at three primarily today that talk about this idea of grace. Lie number one for today, here it is. Who others think I am matters more than who I really am. Who others think I am matters more than who I really am. Do you get it? Do you get what this lie is all about? It has to do with the word hypocrisy. When we present one image to others, but the real truth of who we are and what we are about and the sin that we are tangled up in, it's quite different. An easy way to remember this issue, guys, is let's take a journey back to our teen years or maybe our early adult years when we were doing the dating game. Remember that? When we were asking those ladies out on dates. Do you remember how, especially on our first dates with a girl, how we presented one image that maybe was just a little slightly different or maybe a lot different from the truth just to make that good impression? For instance, I think we all know why, you know, why we open car doors for a girl, especially when we first start dating them. Do you got, guys, do you remember that? We open their door and we close the door and then we take our time walking around the car so that we have time to let a fart or two out before we open our own door and get in the car. And we hope none of that gas follows us into the car when we do finally open our own doors. Maybe we have to bend down and tie our shoes to make sure that it's all gotten away. Now, for any of you ladies are out there that are listening to this podcast, you can ignore what I just said. That actually doesn't happen, does it, guys? Okay, yes, it does. Don't tell me that you haven't done that, guys. We don't want them to think that we pass gas before they actually know us. And then when we are married, our wives find out, oh, yeah, they do fart. <laughs> it's, not as, it's not a big deal anymore because we, now we got them. Wow. I know. I just left out a big secret, didn't I, guys? Sorry about that. But this lie, it's a little different from that. But it's related. It's a little bit bigger and deeper this lie that we're talking about. You know, what we present to others is not the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. For each of us, there are certain people who know us best, 
And for most of us, it's our wives, maybe our best friend. But let's be honest, there are things about each and every one of us that others, even those closest to us, don't know. Those things that we think, things that we have done or do, things that we watch, things that we look at, others don't know. And that's part of this truth. But the other truth is that God does know. Let me pause there for a moment, guys. Let that sink in. All those things that others might know about or not know about us, those things that are down deep that only we know, well, actually, it's not just us. God knows also. Men, God knows every aspect of our lives, the good, the bad, and yes, unfortunately, he knows the ugly too. And that goes for what is seen by others, and it also goes for what no one else knows. God knows our secret sin. But our lie that Satan feeds us is that we don't need to worry about that sin because no one else knows about it. But here's the truth. This is what our author presents as the truth. God's grace is needed for both the phony that everyone sees and the scoundrel inside that we know so well. Here's the word that matters here, guys. It's grace. Hopefully you've talked about what grace is in your life groups over the last couple of weeks. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve to be in a relationship with God. Our sin, both the sin that people out there know about and that secret sin that maybe others don't know about, our sin separated us from God. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 3. He says this, starting in verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. There's that cross, guys. It's so important for us to know about that cross. Paul continues, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right. We, men, are made right with God when we believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Guys, that cross that Jesus died upon was not just for the sin that everyone else knows about. He died for all of our sin. He saved us from being separated from God into a relationship with God. And that salvation doesn't just save us from hell. It also saves us into a better life as God's Spirit cleanses our sin. And yes, even that secret sin. And he cleanses it out of our lives. It's all about grace, though. So what do we do with this? Well, for many of us, that sin, that secret sin, it's still there. Oh, Jesus might have forgiven us, but it's still haunting us. We're still dealing with it and struggling with it because we really haven't maybe shared it with anyone else. And so it's we maybe we still haven't fully received that grace. Jesus is more than willing to forgive us, to share the grace, to cleanse us. But guys, we got to be willing to receive it. So here, I want to invite you, either on your own or maybe in your life group, to dig into Psalm 51. 
David wrote that psalm as he dealt with God making it known to him that he was aware of that sin with Bathsheba. Some of you maybe don't know that story that David had an affair with Bathsheba and he thought it was a secret sin. Nobody else really knew about it. And and then he ended up killing Bathsheba's wife or husband because of it. And he thought it was all secret that barely anyone knew about it until God let it be known. Hey, David, I know because God knows it all, guys. So Psalm 51 is David working through that guilt in the process of grace, letting God cleanse him from the inside out. Dig into Psalm 51, guys, and and think of some of that secret sin that God's willing to forgive. He's willing to cleanse you, but you need to be willing to receive his grace and his love and his forgiveness in that area of life because that allows us then onto a journey of holiness. Dive into Psalm 51 and see what David says as he's working through that journey. All right, let's, let's look at another lie that Satan feeds us in keeping us from fully being cleansed of God's grace. My, here's number two. My sin isn't really that bad. <laughs> it's all the comparison game, guys. We do that, don't we? We Do you compare? I think we all compare different things, different times. You know, maybe we see someone else's truck and we think mine is bigger and better and stronger engine. Maybe it's a newer model. You know, we compare our shoes. We compare our sports teams. And yes, we even compare our sin. We look at someone else with a bad sin, maybe someone who's a rapist, and say, I'm not that bad. Or we look at someone who maybe steals a lot of money or does fraud, or a drug dealer or a sex trafficker, and we think, well, I'm doing okay in comparison to those guys. And in doing that comparison, Satan has us right where he wants us. Because in doing so, we possibly then lack the understanding of our own sin and the ugliness of it. Allow me to read just a little bit of the Jesus story where one person, Jesus tells a story of one person sees their sin as it is and the other one compares. It's in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. Uh, Jesus says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt beside him at his feet, and weeping, her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, "'If this man were a prophet,' meaning Jesus, He would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. (laughs) Notice the Pharisee doesn't acknowledge that he's a sinner, only that the woman is. In other words, he doesn't see his sin as big as that as the woman. He's doing the comparison game. He continues. And so that we continue as Jesus is about to scold a guy. It says, then, then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling them their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one who he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. She entered your home. You didn't When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, 
but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. You see, the Pharisee here, Simon, thought his sins were no big deal. And he probably didn't realize that Jesus was who he was. But even if he didn't know who Jesus is, do you wonder if he would have, or if he realized who Jesus was, do you wonder if he would have acted differently to Jesus? He was blinded to his sin, or he just didn't get that his sin, maybe, okay, in the world's eyes, is not as big as what this woman has, but it's still sin. And it requires a payment, meaning death. You know, Satan lies to us, guys, making us think that our sin in comparison to others is no big deal. But here's the truth. We cannot look at the other more wicked men to make us feel better. The only comparison that matters is to look at the one righteous man, the sinless Savior, meaning Jesus, who alone can make us whole. And if we are willing to see our sin in light of a holy God or a holy Savior and realize that our sin needs a Savior, then we might be willing to approach Jesus and the cross a little differently, maybe with more humility, maybe crying out and longing for that grace that God is willing to pour out upon our sin. All right, let's look at one last lie in regards to sin as we we think about this idea of grace. It's one that Satan regularly tells a lot of men. Here it is. God could never forgive me for what I've done. This is a lie that has us comparing again, but the comparing has us thinking that our sin is too bad, too ugly to get forgiven. And I get why someone could easily go there. You know, some of you men listening, you're, that's where you are right now. Maybe you had an affair or that wrecked your marriage. Maybe you are presently involved in some kind of fraud and it's big. Maybe it's one of those secret sins that, like being addicted to pornography. Maybe you physically or sexually hurt someone. And you see the pain that your sin has caused and is causing and you think, how in the world could I be forgiven? But again, from God's point of view, sin is sin. It all needs the cross. Yes, certain sin may cause more pain to other people, and that might take more healing and reconciliation here in this world. But from God's point of view, sin, all sin, needs a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. That's why I love the stories of the Bible, guys. To see a story like David and Bathsheba where David, as ugly as his sin was, David is forgiven. Rahab, in her story, she's a prostitute and she experiences grace. Matthew was a terrible sinner in the people's eyes 
And he was forgiven and even invited to be a disciple. And his gospel, his book of the Bible, is listed first of all the four gospels. And of course, there's Paul. Paul persecuted the church. He killed Christians. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1.16, But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. So Paul leads us to this final truth. Nothing we have done, nothing, guys, that we have done puts us out of reach of God's complete forgiveness. Nothing. And it all is about that cross, guys. It's all about God's grace. That's where a life of holiness begins. It's not on us. We can't do it by ourselves. It starts with a God who looks into your heart, guys, each and every one of us. And he loves you so much. As ugly as our lives are because of our sin, God was willing to pay our price for us, to die an ugly death in our place. And then he gives us the gift of his presence, the Holy Spirit of God, to help us get from where we are to a better place. And even that, guys, it's God's grace. We don't deserve his presence. But God's grace, the cross of Christ, that's where our journey of life, abundant life, begins. Focusing upon these things can help us clean out those lies that Satan has fed us and get us to a much better place in life. That place is on a journey towards holiness and the abundant, blessed life that comes with it. Guys, Jesus loves you unconditionally and he died to give you new life, holy life. Have a great week.